We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Our fantasy basketball podcast. It is Monday, March 13th. DJ Trainer here, joined by Andre Snellings. If you've listened to the podcast all season long, you know that we bring on Andre occasionally every Monday. Happy to have him back. Andre, thanks as always for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on the award-winning Rotowire uh, NBA podcast. That's right. If you listen to our Friday podcast, you know that I sneak the award-winning in there every single time because <laughs> Ken and Shannon makes them giggle a little bit. Uh, but that's right. This is an uh, award-winning podcast. Thanks so much for reminding me, Andre. Nick and I have been um, taking turns with the trophies on our desk so far this year. The guys in it's like the, the office. Stanley Cup. Yeah, Did you like, like etch your name on it? <laughs> <laughs> drinking beer out of the top, mid- cereal, just mixing it up every single time. Um, but anyways, uh, let's talk about what we're going to talk about today on today's podcast. Uh, it's 
the end of the season and for fantasy, you know, there's, there's not always a lot to talk about because, you know, you're either winning your league or you're losing your league and you're just hoping that things are going to bounce the right way in your head-to-head playoffs and in rotisserie leagues, of course. Things are all but cemented, I would say, in most of my leagues, believe it or not. A couple close races, but, you know, the majority of the season has passed. However, there's always fantasy to talk about. So Andre and I are going to talk about players who might see added playing time in the remainder of the season. And of course, course that brings up two common themes with the players that we're about to talk about uh they're mostly young players and they're mostly playing for teams that are already out of the playoff race uh so before we dive into any specific players andre do you have any certain strategy for how to deal with the waiver wire at this point in the fantasy season yeah i mean i would say this is probably the most important time of the season for for looking at the waiver wires outside of maybe the first week when everything big is changing. Um, once you start getting to the end of the year, and I guess it really depends on your league format because leagues that do the, the daily transactions first come, first serve, um, you might have to speculate a little faster, you know, before – uh, you really know for sure whether a guy is going to start getting more playing time or not. Um, if, if you want to beat everybody in your league to him, you might have to, to, to take a chance and, and hope that you guessed right. Um, whereas on the other hand, if you're in one of the, the weekly transaction type leagues or, um, you know, the FAAB, uh, uh, weekly auction type leagues, then maybe you can give, a, a at least a couple games and see like, okay, yeah, this guy really does look like he's moving into a new role. And then you'll have a better idea of, of kind of how much, uh, uh, of a chance you want to take on him. Definitely. So once again, the theme of this podcast is players who might see added playing time in the remainder of the season, so abnormal playing time. We're going to kick it off naturally with the Los Angeles Lakers because they've made this pretty easy for us, Andre. They've already started to do that, and they've openly done that. Um, and let's start with Brandon Ingram. You know, he's starting at small forward. It's not Luol Deng anymore. Uh, he's seeing massive amounts of minutes. So since February 15th, he's seeing approximately 36 minutes per game. That's nine games, 36 minutes per game. The thing about Brandon Ingram is he's a rookie. He's 19 years old that, you know, if another player was seeing 36 minutes a game, we would say, go grab him in all types of leagues. He's going to put up lots of production. But this rookie is only putting up 11 points, four rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block. Um, You have to think, later on in his career, obviously, he's going to be a lot better. But is he even worth it now that he's seeing a lot of minutes? Andre. That's a great question because he's not only is his production a, a bit modest, but also he he's not great at any of the hard categories. You know, he's um, so I, I went back over the last eight games um, and and because that's kind of when his, his minutes really took an uptick. And he's still averaging, you know, less than a three a game. Now he's taking 3.4 threes, but he's only making 22% of them. So he's not really contributing to threes. Um, Almost a steal, almost a block. So maybe he could be one of those guys, especially as the year goes uh, goes on from here, that could average one steal, one block, and one three. You know, that's pretty rare. That that's not something you see a lot. Nicholas Batum territory there. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know his. 12 points, 4.4 rebounds, two and a half assists. That's not exciting numbers. So I guess it really depends maybe on how deep the league is that you're in. Um, Because of his name value, I know he was drafted in most leagues. Um, He may have then been dropped in a lot of leagues, but 
there's a reasonable chance w- without me having looked up the numbers that he may already be owned in, in your league anyway. And, and since we're past the trade deadline, then it wouldn't be something to worry about. But if he is available, that would suggest that you might be in a shallower league and a shallower league. He's probably not as valuable um, unless he makes a big jump because he's not going to, to he's not putting up huge numbers. Whereas in a deeper league where he is more valuable, there might be a more of a chance that he's already owned anyway. So um, I'm, I'm not sure how much of a, a big decision point he is in year-long leagues. Um, I've been paying a lot of attention to him in DFS because his price is still fairly low and he's flirting with starter prices. You know, normally I think general rule of thumb is somebody I start, I hope I can get 30 points out of them. Yeah. And I think um, – uh, the last time I looked in the last seven or eight games, uh, he had scored between. He hasn't like, really done that. He's he's in between twenty five to thirty, and it's so close because he's still in that cheap price range where he's so tempting every time. But he's definitely not a breakout candidate by any means. Like he's not going too far and away exceed thirty points. We're just kind of hoping that he can fit and snuggle right in there at the thirty mark. But exactly. But I mean, seeing so many minutes, it's just ridiculous. You're right to say the last eight games are a little more appropriate for what he'll do moving forward. Not so much the last nine like I've said the nice thing uh, in terms of season long leagues is that he shot 48% over that stretch now compared to shooting 38% if you look at his season totals obviously things can get better and I will say this uh, Andre I, I don't know if we've discussed it but I know that our audience probably knows this by now that I don't draft rookies especially in NBA leagues I just don't do it I make a hard fast rule and I figure mm-hmm. that I always come out on top in the end especially when we're talking about Brandon Ingram I'm not going to overpay or overdraft him and, and it looks like I kind of I made a smart decision on this particular case. However, I will say that you can only expect him to get better from now until the end of the season, right? So with all these minutes, he's only going to get better. So I would say that this is the baseline, and you should definitely expect more production from him moving forward. Yeah, especially because, you know, he he came in— his his skill that was supposed to translate is that he was a good shooter. Right. You know, there there was thought that well early on he might not be able to defend. He might not be big enough. He might but... get broken in half because he's a twig. exactly <laughs> <laughs> the potato potato. Depends on how you want to put it. <laughs> but I mean, so when I look at him over these eight games where he's getting all these minutes, he's shooting forty six percent from the line and twenty two percent from three. I have to feel like that's going to get better. Like, you know, he's not Ben Wallace. That's not a normal <laughs> shooting percentage for him. So if, I mean, he's not shooting a lot of free throws, but to me that's translating kind of across his whole game. So if he gets to the point where he's up to a more reasonable, you know, 70% from the line, and even if he's only shooting, say, 33% from from three, that means he's probably making more than, you know, one three a game and he's adding, you know, a few points to his point total and over that eight games, he's already at 12, you know, 12, almost one, almost one and almost one. If he can get that up to say 15, 1.1, 1.1 and 1.1, as far as steals, blocks and threes go, then you're, you're starting to talk about something. And, and as you said, he should get better as the year goes along. So that's not out of range. Yeah, definitely. So one of his teammates, Jordan Clarkson. And so while we talk about Brandon Ingram in terms of DFS, he just snuggles right in that 25 to 30 point range, especially if you're looking at on, on FanDuel scoring system. But somebody we know that can break out for a lot of points when given the opportunity is Jordan Clarkson. And he certainly did that last night. I know that in all the winning lineups that I saw, he was definitely included in them against Philadelphia, mind you. 34 minutes, 30 points, six rebounds, 
eight assists, a steal, and a block. Thank you very much with only two turnovers, so only a couple points taken away there. Uh, I think he's going to see a lot of minutes moving forward. Now, he has been in the league for three years. We know that he's a solid, reliable player. You're going to see guys like Nick Young move out of the rotation, uh, Corey Brewer move out of the rotation. And for me, bang for my buck, I'm going to go with Jordan Clarkson nine times out of ten over Brandon Ingram because we already know that he can produce. You know, it's interesting. Um, a couple things. For one, you brought up bad memories from my DFS <laughs> yesterday because I had a team that was just mismatched. I was I was out and about. I was, you know, trying to set my lineup from Starbucks. I didn't really get to do what I wanted to do. But I had Jordan Clarkson. I had um I had like four or five guys that combined for like 280 points. Okay. And then my other three combined for seven. It was oh, like, wow. you know who are like, those three? Man, that's pretty was, pretty rough. Well, for one, I had Nick Young in there. And I had actually meant to take him out and oh. put in the uh, shooting guard from Portland who was for $3,800. I can't remember his name. but Alan I, Crabb, I made, maybe? Yeah, Alan Crabb. Um, and I made the change, but then I didn't save it. And uh, anyway, <laughs> um, you know, I ended up... Andre, with, I, I love you, but you sound like somebody who lost money last night. Yeah, that's exactly... <laughs> I should sound exactly like that. Because it's one of those, like every gambler or every, you know, person that, 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 yeah, that you know, plays this, in a tough game. This technical like, issue, that. so close. But, I mean, because I think I ended up one and a half points out of cashing. So it was like anything I did would have got me there. But yeah. anyway, that's not the purpose. <laughs> I just had to get that off my chest. Um, but, you know, it was interesting. You mentioned Jordan Clarkson versus Brandon Ingram and how um, we were talking about Ingram how he kind of nestled in at that kind of 25 to 29 fantasy points range, um, whereas Clarkson is a breakout candidate. But before yesterday, they were in the same spot, right? Because before yesterday, ever since, you know, that that same kind of seven to eight game window, uh, Clarkson was averaging 26 fantasy points and, and kind of in that, you know, 25 to 30 point range pretty much every game. And then it just happens that yesterday was the day that he broke out. So I guess I say that to say it's very possible that, that Ingram does something similar and, you know, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. But um, Clarkson, because he's been in the league, he's a, what, a third-year guy now, yep. and we've seen him um, put up big point totals and, and carry large responsibilities for the Lakers in each of his first two years, he is more proven. You know, He is someone that you feel like, okay, this, uh, th- this isn't necessarily a fluke, and we know that, that his shoulders are wide enough to carry it. Um, and then you, you mix that with, as you mentioned, um, uh Nick Young and and Corey Brewer probably exiting uh, the same way. I think the big move was the reason I used eight games ago is that's when Lou Williams got traded. And so that opened up a lot for the two of them and D'Angelo Russell Mm -hmm. to really kind of be their best films. Um, And it seems like Russell is the one that normally gets the most uh, opportunity. But yesterday, Clarkson bumped uh, Russell right out of the rotation. So uh, I'm not really sure if Ingram has that much game yet. But, I mean, it's still in play. Definitely. So last Laker I want to touch on here is Ivica Zubats. Um, a lot of murmuring I'm, I'm seeing on the NBA fantasy Twitter, Andre, about how everyone would love to see Zubats play major minutes. Um, you know, I won't go into too much detail, but per minute monster um, back in the days when Yusuf Nurkic and Nikola Jokic were fighting for time um, coming off the bench in Denver. You know, this is what that reminds me of. Maybe even Derek Favors or Ennis Cantor, maybe not to that extent since Zubats is still uh, a rookie. Um, but what are you seeing so far that makes you think in a couple years this is somebody that everybody's going to covet in fantasy leagues? 
Well, first of all, the single most important thing about Ivica uh, Zubats is that his uh, teammates call him Tupac. Okay. And (laughs) there is a picture, I think it was Larry Nance Jr., someone put it in his locker room of Zubats with a a bandana around his head and the word Tupac written on the shirt. And it was was the greatest thing I saw last week. So that that, that has to be mentioned. Um, But then as, as far as his numbers, yeah, you know, he's... He's one of those per minute guys that you look at it and you're like, well, you know, you, you never know if something can scale up. But his per 100 possession numbers are, you know, 21.4 points, 13 rebounds, 3.4 blocks. He's shooting 51 percent from the field. You know, he's he, he he looks like the kind of guy. If Obviously, if that scaled up to him playing starters minutes, then, yeah, maybe you do end up with, uh, you know, your, your next Jokic or, or Jokic or, or, or that type of player. So he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on for the long run. For this year, I don't know if the – I'm not sure where the Lakers are with him. You know, he's – because we mentioned they've already started ramping up their other guys, and they have this gaping hole at center. I guess he did start, you know – the last game, but he only played 19 minutes. So I don't know if he can't, you know, physically, if he's not ready to play more minutes that that, that they're trying to ease him up to it. Or, I mean, because it's not like they're sitting him so they can get more minutes up for, you know, Tariq black, you know, like that's not, that's not their strategy. So, um, so yes, I would, I would keep an eye on him. Um, in, uh, again, in a year long league, if it's deep enough, um, or in a, a a DFS league, you know, just uh, as the, the prices uh, change on a daily basis, he's worth keeping an eye on. But I don't know if he's just physically ready to, to um, break out yet. Yeah, that's a good point. Obviously, a lot more dynasty value than this season for just one season-long league uh, leagues. Uh, let's keep it moving here over to the Orlando Magic. And I want to talk about Alfred Payton, who had been moved to the bench for a little bit. I think it was earlier this month, maybe even a little bit in February. But he's back as the starter in terms of DFS. He's at a season high in terms of his price tag on FanDuel. Over his last six games, he's averaging 13.5 points, 8.7 rebounds, and 8.8 assists over those six games, of course, notching two triple-doubles during that time as well. It seems like moving forward for the rest of the season, why wouldn't you play Alfred Payton, you know, 36-plus minutes? Now, that might might be a little too far, maybe 32-plus minutes, especially when you consider your backups being DJ Augustine and CJ Watson, Andre. Right. So... You know, Alfred Payton is an interesting guy or an interesting fantasy test case because he's a lot like um, Michael Carter Williams to me in that if the team runs their their offense through him, gives him big minutes and, let you know, runs it through him, he can put up really good DFS numbers. Yeah. Um, the, the question is whether the real life team values that, it, it, whether it's. It's it, whether it can translate into to impact on the quarter or a style of play that they want to play. Um, in Carter Williams' case, the Bucks didn't, you know, so they traded him. And and each team that he's been on, he hasn't, he, he's never kind of been the focal point again. And I think if you're a point guard who can't really shoot well, 
you have to be the focal point, you know, kind of your Rajon Rondos. You know, you, you have to be able to get the assists and, and you'll get points because you have the ball in your hands a lot. But probably you won't run the most efficient offense. Um, so as far as if I'm the magic, on the one hand, yes, Peyton's a young guy, whereas those other guys you mentioned are older and not really going to be part of the future. I guess I could, you know, play in devil's advocate, see their coaching staff, continuing kind of like because he's shown flashes like this this year and you know in in last year where he would have you know like a triple double type game we're talking about dfs he'll have a game with like 58 fantasy points and then his next three games he'll combine for 30 you know because like and, and his minutes will go down and so maybe the coaching staff just doesn't love what he does and right now they're kind of playing him by default and he could play himself back into the doghouse or, you know, to the theme of this podcast, maybe they've said, you know what, forget it. We're just going to let him run it out. Even if we don't love what he does, he could put up some numbers and maybe become a trade asset or, you know, or, or maybe what he gets better with minutes. Um, so he's one that I like. But I mean, obviously, in a year long, in, in most year long leagues, I have to assume that that he's already taken. So, you know, as far as decision points, most of I would think the decision is whether to use him on a given night in DFS. And as you pointed out, his price is already getting higher and it might be high enough to where, you know, like if you can get him for fifty eight hundred dollars and there's a chance that he gives you a triple double or a chance that he gives you three points, then it's worth it. Once he starts getting up in that seventy two, seventy five hundred range, you got to be pretty sure that he's going to produce and he has been for these last six games, so maybe you know he could be worth taking a chance on. But I, I, I'm I'm just not positive yet, and his price is getting to the point where I'm not really wanting to buy in so much anymore. I think the MCW comp is a great comp. Let's let's not forget that MCW won Rookie of the Year when he was playing with Philadelphia. I think his very first NBA game, he went out there and got a triple double. Um, Alfred Payton, MCW, are those type of guys that we value way more in fantasy than their teams do on the court. It's just the way it is. But whenever they're rolling, whenever they're seeing 32-plus minutes, I mean, they're they're usually great values. And so we're seeing Alfred Payton's price tick up on FanDuel tonight. It's at $6,900. Obviously not a full slate of games, but he's sandwiched in between Dennis Schroeder at $7,100 and D'Angelo Russell at $6,700. So obviously if Payton can go out there and get a triple-double or get near a triple-double or even average close to what he's done over the last six games, then we know he'll be more valuable than Schroeder or Russell. But again, if he keeps doing that, we're going to have to be comparing him to Mike Conley and maybe even to Kyle Lowry and and, and players Mm -hmm. like that. Obviously, Lowry is out, but um, I got fooled there on the fan duel, listing (laughs) injured players who are out for the season, even though you know they're not coming back. But Peyton's certainly an interesting one. Uh, People are wondering, Andre, why we have not mentioned Mario Hazonia yet, and the reason is the dude just hasn't shown us anything to talk about. I mean, is there anything that you'd like to say about him whatsoever? Yeah, the same. I mean, not only has he not shown us, apparently he hasn't shown his team because <laughs> he's not getting the playing time. You know, we were talking about all these rookies that now that we're in March, they're starting to to get some run. But I mean, his own his last five games, he's playing 17 minutes, you know, eight points, three rebounds, not a nothing else. You know, I mean, it's it's I guess he's knocking down a three a game, but unless they're going to commit to at least giving him upper 20s of minutes, you know, maybe low 30s of minutes, then even if you're not the most impressive player, you're at least worth keeping an eye on. But if your own team is still giving you in the teens of minutes and it's in March, 
and it's not like they're you know battling for anything um then i think that might reflect on uh on the player <laughs> yeah and and you can't even go the magic route where the magic don't know what they're doing with their roster for for goodness sake they played aaron gordon at the three for so long there's a wide open door for his right now like terrence ross is a decent piece but by no means is he holding his back from reaching his full potential so if his can't step in and see upwards of 20 minutes when terrence ross is the only thing holding him back then unfortunately it's a player that seems like he was overdrafted and you know is probably going to struggle to remain in the league over the next couple of seasons uh let's move on to the brooklyn nets one of your favorites coming into the season and maybe i put favorites too strongly there but somebody that uh you know you've had a few arguments about and of course i'm talking about ronde hollis jefferson coming into the season another player that you know nothing's holding him back from seeing massive minutes he's starting to see an uptick of minutes of late uh on the season only averaging eight eight point two points five rebounds two assists a steal and half a block but why don't you talk about andre what you liked about him coming into the season and then whether it has manifested for you over the course of the season or not yeah it's interesting so you know <laughs> i do have to feel like i point out i mean i must point out that the favorite was a little bit strong okay um the the, the, the reason he became kind of a uh a part of my uh public history is before the season started i went on the um the Rotowire show on on XM series with uh, Chris Liss and Liss was asking kind of, okay, well, um, who are some guys who might be better than their value? And I actually pulled out our our rankings, the Rotowire rankings and was kind of scrolling down through. And I saw that Jefferson was listed like in the 50s or something in the 60s. And um, I pointed him out. I was saying, well, you know, he's the type of guy that that if this valuation is correct, you might be able to get fifth or sixth round value for him um, by drafting him late in your draft. And then, you know, just kind of kept him moving. Well, and I, I may even have talked about this on the show before, but there was a, a a listener who listened to that, and instead of hearing what was said, heard <laughs> draft Rondé Jefferson in the fifth round of your draft. Oh no! And so you know, when when Jefferson started the season, he was hardly playing at all. He and when he did play, he wasn't doing much. And so this guy started sending uh, listen I on Twitter. Um, uh, the stats of Rondé Jefferson every night. Like, yeah, you know, your, your site sucks. You told me to draft, your show told me to draft this guy in the fifth round and he's terrible. And eventually, you know, Liz kind of shut him down with his kind of troll spray. He was like, dude, your troll game is weak, you know, step it up. And we never heard from him again. But um, that's what put Rondé Jefferson in my mental lexicon. It wasn't so much that I was like, <laughs> he's the guy. It was that situation. But with that said, the reason why he would have been ranked well in our rankings is because the Nets suck. I mean, like, there's no <laughs> other way around it. Like, they're really, really bad. We yeah. knew before the season they were going to be really, really bad. And they don't have any young players. And they don't have any draft picks because they gave them all to the Celtics. And so there's no real prospect of them not sucking anytime soon. And so because of that, the thought coming into the year was, much like we're talking about now, is like, why wouldn't you play one of your only really young guys who's super athletic and maybe he learns how to play, you know, maybe maybe he learns how to contribute. And so over this last little bit, he has his, his minutes have been ticking up in general. Now, it's not 
you know, it, it's not the kind of thing where you could just point out and say, ah, hey, now he's getting 35 minutes a game the way we were with Ingram. It's more like, okay, well, uh, they flirted with him in the starting lineup. And then, okay, well, he played 26 minutes, and then he played 21 minutes, and then he played 27 minutes, and then he played 19 minutes. I mean, it's it's fluctuating, but it seems like it's a general positive uptick. And in his last game, he had a double-double, 14-11. Um, that, you know, he had another one on February 25th, 16 and 10. Um, a couple games before that, he had 10 boards. So when he does get on the court, and I think they're playing him at the power forward, there, there was, you know, he was kind of a ubiquitous forward for a while, but, you know, it looks like he can crash the boards. He's not going to be a big scorer, but he's an athlete. And so that can translate into nice steal numbers. Like just looking back through his last month or so, I see, you know, a couple games with with three steals, two steals, two steals. I see a four block game. Um, so he's the type. He's what I call a garbage man that if he gets the minutes and I don't see why he shouldn't, because, again, the Nets suck. Um <laughs> He could flirt with like a low scoring double double um, and maybe get you two and a half, three combined steals and blocks a game, which would be a value in in, in most formats. Um, again, I think I've been paying more attention to him on a DFS scale because his price stays low and he's the kind of guy that I like to kind of punt with because you know, so we talked earlier about Brandon Ingram and how every game he's in that 20 to 29 fantasy points range. And, and that's what I guess you would call low variance. But in my next Hoops Lab article, I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that I was learning in um, at uh, the, the Sloan Analytics Conference that uh, MIT puts together that I went to last week. And they had a DFS strategy session and they were talking a lot about how especially in tournaments, you don't really want the low volume, low variance guy because he's not, he doesn't have the upside. Whereas a guy like, um, you know, like Hollis Jefferson, he might give you eight points in a, eight fantasy points in a given night, or he might give you 43, you know? So if you're going to take a chance on a guy, you take a chance on him. Cause at least if you, you guess right, then he's going to, make an impact on 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 your overall uh, chances to win whereas your low volume low variance guy he's not really going to do anything but take up a spot on the team good stuff Andre let's move on to the Denver Nuggets somebody that I think you and I have talked about before I know that I've talked about him all season long and of course that's Jamal Murray and it's one of those situations where the Nuggets really aren't that bad right now they're sitting in the A seed for the playoffs right they're 31 and 35 Mm -hmm. but they're holding down the A seed Um, if the Trailblazers and Mavericks falter then the Nuggets can swoop right in there and really the Nuggets are kind of getting back to health Uh, they were even more bruised and battered heading into the all start break now they're still dealing with a couple injuries um but really all this is to say that this doesn't really fit the trend that we've talked about we talked about the lakers magic and nets who are definitely out of it the nuggets that are still very much in the playoff race however i think you could make the argument and i think that's exactly what we're about to do right now is that murray is progressing so much that he's deserving of a spot in the rotation in fact over the last let's see games in march so the last six games he's seeing 23 and a half minutes um you're seeing Emmanuel Moutier slide out of the rotation. Uh, I've talked to Harrison Wind of BSN Denver earlier on this season, and he said that Jamal Murray can definitely play point guard for this team in the future. And so what makes you think that he could see even more minutes than he already has on a playoff contending team, Andre? Yeah, so yes, they are a playoff contending team, but they weren't expected to be. But in addition to that, 
they've already, as you pointed out, been giving him meaningful minutes and he's produced. Um, and his competition, Jameer Nelson, is a guy who's been very productive this season. You know, he's been good value. But they know, I mean, he's in his almost mid-30s now. Like, there's no upside there. He's not going to be the guy that carries them into the playoffs. So Jamal Murray is someone that that they would like to give more responsibility to, and he seems to be showing an ability to handle it. And so for a team that has to just be happy really to, to be in the playoff race um, and, and the team that, you know, I mean, they've got, obviously they've got Jokic is, is their franchise guy, but I would have to feel like they, they want to see whether Murray is, is going to be the point guard of the future. They need to bring in somebody else. Definitely. And so, again, one of these cases where he's a rookie, I only think he's going to get even more. Uh, he's even, he's only going to get better than he is already right now. Uh, Jameer Nelson, 35 years old, so maybe he's that placeholder starter who goes out there by the end of the season and starts, but you're really seeing Jamal Murray do the or have the lion's share uh, of the workload at point guard. Certainly interesting. Uh, definitely a good name to keep an eye on, especially with Denver heading into the offseason, likely looking to thin out or, like you said, a, f- a few months back that I absolutely love, concentrate on positions um, where they have so many assets. you got to think that they're going to deal some of them, potentially opening up a lot of minutes for Jamal Murray moving forward into next season, most importantly. All right, let's finish up here. With the Sacramento Kings, unavoidable in a discussion like this when you're talking about young players and teams that are already out of the playoff race, you can pretty much run that that segment back every single season for the Kings. And we're going to focus in on Buddy Heald. Um, you know, he was acquired as somebody who, uh, you know, according to the Kings, has just as much potential as Steph Curry. So whatever, <laughs> be that as it may, um, if, if an organization feels that he has that type of talent, of course that means they're going to give him as many minutes as possible. Right, Andre? Over the last two games, we're seeing that he played 30 and 37 minutes. And, you know, there's value to be had if he's going to be playing at least 30 minutes per game. Yeah, I mean, you know, you were the one, I, I'm glad, I guess, to reference that quote about him being the next Steph Curry. And, um <laughs> I'm, 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 you know what? I'm going to leave it alone. Um, <laughs> I'll just say that, yes, those last two games, not only has he played 30 and 37 minutes, but he's produced, right? He's had 17 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, um, knocked down three and a half threes in those two games. So, yeah, on a team with no future or no upside that, oh, by the way, just traded away their franchise guy for this guy. Um you know, you would think that if nothing else but to save face, they're going to try to kind of force feed him into a prominent role so that they could have something to point at and say, hey, this is what we got back for DeMarcus Cousins. So, yeah, before th- these last couple games, he was in that 18, 19, 23, 26 minute per game. And at that level, I don't know if I would rely on him. But if these last two games are any indication and he's really going to be getting that kind of run, then, yeah, he uh he he could he could actually end up being one of the most valuable of the young players that we've talked about so far because he he's a scorer he shoots the three and if they force feed him the ball then then um you can get some you know peripheral values from uh, his uh, uh shooting percentages as well. 
Yeah, definitely. If you're on the court for a, a large portion of time, you're just going to rack up assists, steals, and blocks to a certain degree just by the fact that you're on the court. Rebounds as well. Over the last two games, too small of a sample size, I will admit, uh, but 17.5 points, 5.5 rebounds, 2 assists, shooting 54% from the field, which is absolutely wonderful considering that he shot 41% over the course of the season so far. Nice thing about Buddy Heald, though, too, is that I won't rag on him too much. Uh, he's shooting 87.5% from the free throw line. I don't care mm-hmm. if, you know, like even when good free throw shooters come into the NBA, you know, rookies still struggle all over the place. So the fact that he's been holding it down from from that area of the court makes me think, you know, maybe he could be a player and that the, the light isn't blinding him entirely. Uh, maybe I'm reading too much into free throw percentage, though, Andre. No, I mean, I, I think we made the same point with Brandon Ingram, right? You know, young players um, sometimes, and, and granted, they're both rookies, but Ingram is like 19 and Heal's 23 or something. So they're not exactly the same age. Heal came in more physically ready to play, and maybe he was more mentally ready to play too. So, you know, if he's force-fed the opportunity and shooting is what he does, then, then yeah, um, you know, it could be a benefit. And I do think that for a shooter, looking at his free throw percentage and his three-point percentage are both uh, uh, valuable things to do. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the topic of today. However, I do want to ask Andre a couple of questions before he gets out of here about the Sloan Conference. First of all, Andre, what was the best thing or most exciting, most interesting thing that happened while you were there? So maybe it was an interaction with a you know coach, front or not a coach, but a front office guy, owner. What was the, what was the number one highlight for you? Yeah, I would say um, my favorite thing that I saw at Sloan was um, I like the panels that that have, you know, not just, you know, it's thought of as a nerd conference, but it is it's a, a conference. Nerd conference for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a nerd conference, but it, you also have the the movers and shakers of, of the sports world is there. Yeah. And so um, my favorite panels that they, they did one that was called Silver on Silver, where Nate Silver was yeah. was interviewing yeah, Adam Silver. That. And then um, there was another one the next day about building around a superstar that had the GM of the Cavs, the GM of the Warriors, the GM of uh, the Raptors up there with Louis Scola, who was kind of ubiquitous. I think he just was jumping on panels because he wasn't actually <laughs> listed in the program. Um, but, you know, they're, they're talking about how they build their teams. And like to me, those were kind of the highlights because you get perspective of the people that are actually making the decisions, actually doing things. And and sometimes with the advanced analytics, which I love to do and I love to use, you'll get pushback from people like, ah, you know, that's not realistic. That's not how you play the game. That's yeah. not, you know, whereas when the actual decision makers are up there like, yeah, we use these. We rely on these. We need these. These are how we run our team. These are how we run our league. Then that helps validate the approach not that it needed validation for for me, but hopefully to validate it for everyone else that like, yeah, you know, this is no longer a question of, well, do I believe in these voodoo stats or not? Like this is this is the way that the, the sports world works. And, you know, if you go Charles Barkley and close your ears, eventually you're just going to kind of be left behind. <laughs> Last question about the Sloan Conference then. Um I'm curious. I know you talked about this a little bit when we were talking about the Nuggets and Jamal Murray, but from a fantasy perspective, what was the most enlightening thing that you, you kind of gathered from that conference that you, on the way home, you're like, I'm definitely going to think about that the next time I sit down and do a draft or the next time I look at a waiver wire? 
Yeah, for for me, the the from a fantasy perspective, the the thing that hit me the most was that kind of DFS strategy um, uh, panel that I was talking about, mm-hmm. um, simply because it, it was it made it clear it's not a game. You know that um, I think that it, it was actually something that came up on the panel that people are so there are so many people that are so into fantasy sports and DFS these days that. The days of you just kind of being able to casually be like, I think I'm going to set a lineup and see what happens. Um, those are kind of behind you, you know, that you have to have a strategy. You have to have prep um, because the people you're competing against, they are, you know, they there are entire kind of entities out there that have kind of noticed that, you know what, if. We split the labor and we uh, uh, really get super informed on on the best trends out there. Then we can increase our odds of winning so much that it's difficult to beat us. Um, and I've been the type when I write these advice columns that I try to provide you know a consistent and solid amount of information. But just listening to others and and the approaches they're taking, it really helped me know that you know what. I've got to get even further up on my own game. Um, and if you've looked at any of my DFS articles for the last week, you, you kind of start to see it trickling in. And as I mentioned I'm going to uh, write about it in my next Hoops Lab article that instead of just talking about averages, now I'm talking about distributions. Now I'm talking about, well, this guy averaged 30-something points over this time span, but his median score was 40-something points because he's actually a 40-something point player. He just had a really bad game to pull down his average. Or I might give their minimum and maximum score over a time period just to give you a little bit more information because just the the basic averages isn't really enough anymore all right andre so if our listeners want to go out there and read exactly what you're talking about that then uh please remind them where they can find your work and then also i know that you're also uh pubbing your work on twitter as well if you'd like to give your twitter handle Exactly. Um, so my blog, my basketball blog, is called The Hoops Lab. It's found at hoopslab.rotowire.com, H-O-O-P-S-L-A-B um, dot, dot rotowire.com. Um, and everything that I write ends up eventually on The Hoops Lab, be it um, things that I put on Rotowire, things that I put on Nylon Calculus, more of my analytics type work, um, things that I do with TYT Sports that's more video-based Um fan sided anything that I do ends up on the hoops lab eventually. So you can find me there. And then on Twitter, my Twitter handle is professor DRZ. That's a uh, professor Driz. And, um, yeah, come, come, come holler at me. Sounds good. Feel free to go catch Andre. You can catch me on Twitter at trainer DJ. I've said that enough on this pod. People already know it by now. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone on the Rotowire fantasy basketball podcast and special thanks to Andre. Andre, thanks as always for spending some time with us. All right. Thanks for having me. know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. 
ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.